This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Good morning. We're going to talk about community this morning, so if you're taking notes, write that title down, Community. Um, Next week, we're going to wrap up this series that we've been in for the past couple weeks on direction, and really what I'm doing is just setting uh, the tone and the vision of where God is leading us and where we're going, and next week is going to complete that, and we're going to go through a lot of the goals and a lot of the the more tangible things that we're going to talk about uh, with what God has for Word of Grace in 2015, and so I really want you to make it a priority, of course, to be here every week, but especially this next week. Um, man, I, I really would encourage you and your family to be a part of what uh, we're going to be talking about next week so you can actually hear the tangibles. I think that it's important, however, for us to talk about discipleship in the context that we did and also prayer in the context that we did because what we're trying to do is help explain from a biblical perspective where we're going and the why behind behind what we're doing. And so as a church family, I want us to not just know that this is where we're going, but I want us to know why and the biblical principles that God has established in his word that are leading and guiding our decisions as we're moving forward as a church family. So today we're going to talk about the biblical idea of community. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. God, I thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to stand here and speak in front of this congregation again this week. I ask you that you would just help our ears be attentive to your word today. Help our hearts be receptive to what your Holy Spirit would work in us and through us today, God. Let it change us forever and let us walk out different. Let us walk out in inspired, challenged, whatever your Holy Spirit wills to do in our heart today through the speaking of the word. I pray, God, that we would be receptive and submissive to what you would have to say to us today, God. Let us not just be hearers only, but let us be doers. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible, go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 28, very end of the book of Matthew. Matthew 28. We're going to see a very familiar passage of scripture here that we've talked about A lot here at Word of Grace. If you've been here any length of time, you've probably heard this scripture either referenced or read. Matthew 28 and verse 16, Jesus is really uh, laying out his final words here before he ascends into heaven, and he's wanting to communicate things with weight more than ever before because uh, these are the very last words that he's leaving with his disciples before he ascends into heaven. Matthew chapter 28, let's see then in verse 16, that the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. Remember, there's 11 by this time because Judas was no longer a part of the crew. Verse 17, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. But Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." We see here that Jesus is trying to help his disciples to understand that their duty now in the earth is to go out into all the nations and do what? Make disciples. But before he told them to go and make disciples, he said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on the earth. He said, I have all authority. I am lacking nothing. But now I'm delegating this task to you based on the statement I just made about having all authority. So in other words, he's saying, listen, I am commissioning you 
on behalf of heaven to go and to make disciples here on the earth in my name. And I want you to go do things with this authority that I have. This is your job. This is your commission. Because what authority really is, is our right. But it is God's ability. Authority is not anything that you and I can accomplish or make happen on our own. It's something that's delegated to us that we are to go out in His name, but yet it's not anything that you and I can receive the glory from. Authority is our right, but it's God's ability. The authority of the believer is not contingent upon what the individual can do on their own, but rather it's what God wants to do through them. Because if he does it through them, it's his ability, it's his authority operating through the vehicle that he has chosen to bring forth the gospel to the world, and that is the local church. So the ministry of the church is to move forward in the authority of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to make disciples. We see that's what Jesus said. Based on this authority, I want you to go out and I want you to make disciples. In other words, we're going to accomplish things that God wants us to accomplish, but it's going to be by His commissioning, by His authority, by His power. We're just the vessels. We're the ones that He pours into to be poured out of. You remember that last week. Because God wants to strengthen His church for His glory through exercising His ability through the church. It's his ability. It's what he wants to do, not only in you. So not only does he want to change you, not only does he want to impact you, not only does he want relationship with you reconciled, it doesn't stop there. No, he wants to do something through you as well. He wants to accomplish his purpose in you and through you. So remember that. God wants to accomplish his purpose in me personally, but he also wants to accomplish his purpose through me. So that way, I understand that this whole thing is not about me and it doesn't stop with me. It's supposed to continue on. And that vehicle that God uses to do that is the church. He wants us to be empowered with that mission, with that vision that He has given us to go out and to be about the Father's business of making disciples. You see, when it happens this way, God alone gets the glory because of what He accomplishes So I want you to understand before we move any further in this teaching that this is not some man-made strategy that we all sat around a table and came up with this good idea in order to try to make something happen. We believe that this is God-inspired. And what that means is that we have to depend on God, but we also need to submit to what God wants to do in us and through us. It's that we realize this is his call. This is his commission. It's not just all agreeing, this is a good idea. Let's see if it works. It's that we all agree that this is God ordering us and commissioning us and sending us into the world for a purpose in us and through us. And it's only by his power that these things are going to get accomplished. But it's only to the degree that you and I are willing to submit to his idea and his way of doing it that it's going to happen. Because there are a lot of people that do church, but there are people that have different ideas about what it's supposed to look like or what we're supposed to be doing. What is really our purpose? 
A lot of times in church, people try to build a name for themselves or they try to make everything all about them and it all stops with them and nothing ever flows out. And we see when we get focused on ourselves and we don't focus on the mission in which God has called us to, that we become very stagnant. We become very self-centered and it renders us ineffective or at best, our effectiveness is really just, just strained and it's not as uh, influential or effective as God wants us to be. Because he has called us to be effective, not just to merely exist and wait on Christ's return. He wants us to actually accomplish something for his kingdom and for his glory. And if we submit to his idea and his way, then we're going to accomplish that because that's the only way authority can flow. The only way authority is ever going to flow is through submission. The moment you stop submitting, that's the moment the authority stops flowing. Because all authority is delegated authority. Remember that. Remember, the police officer has no authority in and of himself. It was delegated to him by someone else. And the moment that that officer stops submitting to the authority in which was delegated to him, and he operates outside of that in and of his own strength, that's the moment they say, hand over the badge and the gun, buddy. If the officer decides to abuse his authority or make it all about himself and operate outside of the confines of that authority, that's the moment that he foregoes willingly knowing giving up that authority, thus giving up his effectiveness as a police officer. It's the same thing with the body of Christ. The body of Christ is going to be more powerful when we recognize where our authority comes from, who has set the agenda for you and for me, and we submit to that. That's the way the authority of Christ can flow in and through the church, and we can be effective as the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. When we say, okay, God, you're smarter than us, we'll go with what you said. That's when things start to happen and work for the, for the body of Christ. That's when things start happening for the church. When we get this idea that it's all about us or we want to make it all about us or make it all about an individual, that's when we stop getting our focus on Christ and we start getting our focus on us. And we miss the point. So the ministry of the church is for us to move forward. He doesn't want us to be stagnant. He doesn't want us to be stale. He wants us to move forward carrying the the, the banner of the kingdom agenda of reconciliation of the world. You and I are ministers of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. He talks about how we are ministers of reconciliation. We've been given this ministry. But on whose authority? On Jesus' authority. If we submit to his way that he wants this thing to operate. So we believe this is God-inspired. That means we need to, to depend on God, but we also need to submit to what God wants to do through us. And we see when people submit to God's plan and God's way, what happens? Let's turn to Acts chapter 2, and we can see what happens when people submit to God's way and God's plan and God's agenda for the church. Acts chapter 2 and verse 40. Acts 2 and verse 40. Here's Peter, he's preaching, okay? You remember the disciple, Peter. He's preaching to a lot of people here in verse 40. And let's read there. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's pretty good church growth. 3,000 people in one day, not too shabby. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common, selling their possessions and their goods they gave to anyone as he had need. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with, uh, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, this church was in unity. They were unified around the purpose in which God had given them to truly be about the Father's business of making disciples. And a unified church has deep relational fellowship with one another. We see that as a testimony through the first church here in the book of Acts. That the church was unified through deep relational fellowship with one another. In verse 42, the word fellowship is used. And the Greek word for the word fellowship is a word called koinonia. And it means sharing a close association or partnership. I like what Pastor Jack Hayford said when I was studying this message. I read his commentary. He said this. He said, Koionia is a unity brought about by the Holy Spirit where the individual shares in common an intimate bond of fellowship with a Christian society and it cements believers to the Lord Jesus and to one another. So people say, well... Why would I need church? Why do I need to be a part of a local body? Well, God uses relationships in the body of Christ to strengthen the church by creating bonds of trust to grow together and do life together. This is very different from the idea of church is somewhere where I just simply go and I punch in and I punch out. And I just get my ticket punched and I get a bunch of stamps and if I get five stamps, I can turn it in for a prize. It's a very different idea of church. It's a very different idea often than maybe you've been exposed to or the way that you were raised where church was more of a chore or it was something that you would attend in order to make yourself feel better because, oh, I like this or I like that. It makes me feel good or, or I enjoy the music or I enjoy this or join that. But you miss the part that is the main part of the purpose if we just look at it through that lens. You see, if we simply attend church and we're just a part of a church on the weekend and we're disconnected from the idea of church, then we don't really understand what it is that we're called to be a part of. You see, it's not just a once a week gathering of believers. It is a relational fellowship where we connect with one another on deep levels to help one another grow because God knew that we wouldn't be able to do this disciple thing by ourselves. That's why He just didn't pick one disciple. He had 12 of them. He knew that we would need each other. He knew that we would need one another both in times of celebration and in times of trial. He knew that we would need one another to be strengthened because this world that's growing ever increasingly dark and hostile towards Christians, sometimes you feel like you're the only one out there. Sometimes you might uh, find yourself in a job where you're the only Christian person on the job. I mean, everybody else says they go to church. I'm sure none of you work in those environments. But going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Hello, somebody. You see, going to church doesn't make me a Christian. But at the same time, I hear all the time people who go to church, but then I see them talking certain ways about the opposite sex. Or I hear things coming out of their mouth. Or I see things in their life that's not glorifying God. And it drags me down and it makes me feel this intense pressure. To just give up and give in because if this is what Christians are like, then why 
even try. And we begin to feel sorry for ourselves, or we feel isolated, or we feel very alone, because here we are trying to grow in the things God wants us to grow in, and we're trying to walk away from temptations, and we're trying to stand strong in our faith against things that are going to uh, hurt us in our lives, and things that are going to take away from the glory that God wants to reveal through our lives and the things He wants to do. And there's a lot of things that would love to attack that and discourage you and make you feel alone. Kind of reminds me of the story of the prophet Elijah. Elijah was a prophet of God, and he was out telling people they needed to repent, turn their heart back to God. Real popular message, repentance messages. People love those. Um, But here's Elijah. He's going out speaking the message of God. And Jezebel, the king's wife, doesn't like Elijah. And so she says, I'm going to kill you, and I am going to put a bounty on your head. So everybody's looking for Elijah to kill him. And Elijah goes and hides in a cave somewhere, and he says, God... I am a prophet. I have been obedient to what you wanted me to do, and I'm the only one left. And God says, Psh. I think that's actually in the Bible. I just don't know if they wrote it or not. God says, Psh. God says, Psh. man. He says, Elijah. He said, you don't even know. You don't even know. I've got 7,000 prophets who have not bowed their knee to Baal. You're not alone, buddy. You're not alone at all. You're not the only one that I've got. But sometimes you feel that way. I I worked uh, uh, when I was a part-time youth pastor when I first started out in ministry at 18 years old. My wife and I got married, and we needed supplemental income. And so guess where I went and worked? I worked in a bomb factory. (laughs) I'm not joking. Your pastor used to put together bombs. I would pour liquid, and they make them in Arkansas, which is even scarier. I'm, I'm, I'm pouring liquid explosive into, into shells. I would come home with liquid explosive on, on my pants and on my shoes and stuff. I never lit my shoes on fire, but that might have been fun. <laughs> but I worked there for probably about seven or eight months before the church was able to make me full time. And uh, man, when I worked there, I was on an assembly line putting bombs together. You know, we were putting mortar rounds together. We put Hellfire missiles together, put the, uh, the surface-to-air Patriot missile. We put those together, put all kinds of different things together. And uh, just all day long. And I worked in an environment where I felt like I was Elijah. And, a lot, and I only worked there for just a few months. I know some of you have, have, have been working uh, in similar type environments 20, 30 years, maybe longer. And you understand the kind of talk that maybe you would hear and things that people would say and how they would talk bad about their spouse, how they let all kinds of things just fly out of their mouth like it's no big deal. And you're like, man, it's so difficult to be a Christian working here and wanting to live my life in a, in a moral way that would bring glory to God instead of just participating like everybody else. And sometimes you get tempted just to get sucked up in what everybody else is talking about, all the gossip, all the junk and all the negativity that everyone else is in, but you're like, no, I, I, I need to be a light for God. And it's hard sometimes to be in those environments. I know, I, I understand. I was a youth pastor and I still struggled at times with that feeling of just, man, God, this is hard. But let me tell you something, church. That's the reason that God wants us to be together as a church family, to remind you that you are not alone to remind you that this is not something that you're enduring and endeavoring on your own. The world is going to grow darker and darker. We see that throughout Scripture. But the darker that a room gets, the brighter that the light should shine. 
And you and I are the light of the world because we have Christ on the inside of us. The Bible says that we as the church, that we're supposed to be that city on a hill that can't be hidden, that the darker it gets, the brighter that the light is supposed to shine. That you and I are carriers of the gospel, the hope of the world. You see, God uses the church to remind us that we're not alone. That's why he said in the book of Hebrews, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, especially the more that it gets closer and closer to the day of the Lord approaching. You need to make sure that you assemble together and you connect with one another because we're there for each other. We can strengthen one another. I mean, I mean, all these things were written to us back in a time and in a place where following Jesus was punishable by death. You and I aren't worried about going to a Bible study and and getting shot or killed because of that or arrested. We're not, we don't think about those things when we're sitting here opening up the Bible and being persecuted for our faith. This isn't some secret thing we're doing. We have our own website. We're on Facebook. I mean, if you're on Facebook, you're, you're everywhere, right? <laughs> I mean, we're out there. That We meet here. It's no secret. And we do it unashamedly. And thank God that we have the freedom and the right to do so. But at the same time, this was written in a time where it wasn't. And he still said, don't forsake. So how much more should we, who don't have to live in a persecuted state, should we not forsake that gathering together and that assembling together? Because we know we need one another. We need to sharpen one another. We need to hold one another accountable. Lift one another up. Encourage one another. Strengthen one another. Get involved in one another's life beyond just a weekly gathering in a church. A church, if we function the way that Jesus laid it out for us to function in the book of Matthew, where he said that we're supposed to be making disciples, then we look at what is a disciple? What is a disciple? What is, what is a truly a follower of Christ? And if we're supposed to be doing that, how can we best do that? Well, here's how we do it. Discipleship happens best in the context of relationships. That's why God uses relationships to strengthen the church by creating bonds of trust. But I know that there are probably some of you here today, dare I say a lot of you, who maybe you've been wounded in the church and you're afraid of stepping out and building those relationships because maybe someone in a church, whether it was someone in leadership, a pastor or, or, or another minister or someone you got real close to in the context of a church that really wounded you, Cause some scars, cause some reason for you to have distrust in getting too close. Like, I'll go this far with you, I'll walk this far with you, but I'm not truly going to invest or commit. I'm not truly going to get locked in because I'm afraid of getting hurt again. Well, let me tell you something. Here's my word for you today. If that's you, then you need to face that and you need to step forward in faith Because this is what God's design is for the church, is for us to grow through building relationship, not sitting on the outside because of past wounds. He wants to heal you from those past wounds. Amen? Amen. The Bible said, surely Jesus carried our griefs and carried our sorrows on the cross. Those things that the enemy would want to use to limit you, to maybe make you leery or make you not want to get connected or get close. Those are the very things that God is trying to heal you from. But until you step out and you give it to Him, and you say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm ready to take that next step. Then you will never truly enjoy the full benefit and potential that God has for you in the context of local church. 
Because church is so much more than just a weekly gathering where you come here, a guy preach, and you sing a few songs. Church is supposed to be a family, amen? amen. It's supposed to be a family. It's supposed to be where we care about one another. Look at Acts chapter 2. What did they do? They went from house to house. They were up in each other's business. <laughs> they were in one another's houses, and what did it say they were doing? What did it say they were doing? It said they were breaking bread with one another. They were having communion in one another's houses. <gasps> Bum, bum, bum. I thought you could only have communion in church. <laughs> According to the disciples, you could do it in somebody's house. That's biblical. To break bread. What did Jesus say? He said, as often as you gather together, he said, you need to do this in remembrance of me. He said, I want you to remember me. He said, so when you get together for this purpose, I, I, I want you to remember me. He said, remember what we did that night. And they would have the Lord's Supper together in one another's homes. And then they would have meals and they, would ha- they, 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 were, they were sharing things with one another. If anyone had need, they were helping one another out, caring about one another. If somebody was moving, they would load up the camel and help him move. <laughs> they would help people out where, at their point of need. They had all things in common, is what I said. In other words, nothing is too precious to me that I wouldn't be willing to give it to you if you truly needed it and it would help you that's what the church functioning in unity did and what was the result of that three thousand people got saved the lord added to the church daily the church grew because the church understood its purpose then the church was flourishing in its purpose and discipleship happens best in the context of relationships because where relationships are, real relationships, not the, hi, how are you doing? Oh, good. Did you see what she was wearing today? Not those relationships because those are not real relationships. Hello, somebody. That's fakey, fake stuff, and we don't play that. But real relationships, you build trust. And when I build trust, then guess what? I build care. I build concern. So when something's going on in your life, I'm there for you. I build loyalty, and I invest in those things, even at my own expense of potentially getting hurt, because I know this is what I'm called to do, and what I'm called to do supersedes the pain of my own woundedness, because I will put myself at risk, because this is what I'm called to do. Not because it's easy, not because it always works out the way I want it to, not because every relationship is a great relationship. But I keep spending myself over and over again. That's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I will spend and be spent for your souls. He said, even though the more that I love you, the less I'm loved. In other words, I'm not going to give up on you. I'm not going to quit. You hurt me. You abandoned me. You broke my trust. Whatever the case may be, I'm still going to keep investing. Because this is what I'm called to do. This is what people who understand their call as a disciple-making church do. They invest. We're not going to let our wounds dictate our effectiveness for the kingdom of God. We're going to find healing. We're going to find restoration. We're going to walk through those things together so we can grow and sharpen one another. Amen? Amen. Amen. Acts 2 and... 46 and 47 was talking about how the church was growing, how the Lord was adding to the church and how people daily were being saved and added to the church. You know, as I think about the effect of a unified church, it's not just a numerical growth thing. So it's not just something where we're trying to just get more people for the sake of more people in a church. No, no, no. That's not the heart or the purpose, nor has it ever been. 
No, the thing that happens that actually numerical growth is a byproduct of is unity and influence. And that's what God wants his church to be. Be a church that's unified and be a church that is growing constantly in influence. And a byproduct of that is that the Lord is adding daily. Amen, somebody? He adds daily. It's him doing it. Because his church is on point. His church is on purpose. And we're growing in influence. And that's one of the things that God has called us as a local body to, to be about. Is to be about growing in influence for the kingdom of God. Because we submit to God's way of doing this thing. And we submit to what the scripture says. And not our idea in order to be gimmicky just to try to get people in seats. No, we want to grow disciples. That's what we want to be about here at Word of Grace. Because that's what I see in scripture. And gaining influence and gaining ground for the kingdom of God. Because here's the thing. Understand that when, when, when we focus on moving forward as a church, we're going to gain influence that's going to help families, that's going to help marriages, because we need more godly influence in families and marriages in our day. Amen? Yeah. We need more godly influence in our schools and in our workplaces. Amen? We need more godly influence in the places that we conduct business and the places that we go. And God wants us to gain and grow in influence for His kingdom purpose to push His agenda forward because at the end of the day, He's the one who gets the glory. He's the one who, who moves His kingdom agenda forward through us recognizing this is our call. This is our commission. The church needs to grow in influence in our homes, in our families, in our communities because we are messengers of the gospel. We're messengers of the gospel. We have the answer. We have the answer. His name is Jesus. We've got the answer, folks. And so here's the thing. Just because we have the answer doesn't mean that people are going to find it because remember in Romans chapter 10, you remember when the Apostle Paul was talking to the Jews and the Gentiles? We just went through our whole Roman study. And in Romans chapter 10, he, he, he began to say in verse 14, how, how are they going to hear if no one goes and preaches to them? And how is anyone going to preach unless they're sent? He said, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel, who bring the good news? He said, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He said, they need to hear, but somebody needs to speak. Somebody needs to go out because we have the answer. You see, the thing that unifies us, the thing that brings us together is Jesus. He is our common unity. He's the one who unites us in purpose. He's the one that brings us together. Because what unites people? What brings people together? Even though we're all different. Jesus brings us all together. You were raised differently than I was raised. If you were raised up here in the north, you were raised different than me. Because guess what? I was raised in the south. And let me tell you, we have some differences of the way we were raised. We say things differently. And I've had to learn. I've had to have interpreters explain to me what you mean. <laughs> when you tell me to come over by you once. Come over by me once. In my mind, thinks I'm going to go by you, so I guess I'm just waving. And I'm only going to do it one time. You'll never see me again. So I hope you were looking out the window because I came over by you once. Never doing it again. And I, and, and, and I learned that, you know, that when you say hot tamales, that you mean manwich, not a Mexican delicious dinner. That's wrong. Tell you what else is wrong. Macaroni noodles and chili. That is wrong. That is hamburger helper. 
That's Hamburger Helper, people. It is glorified Hamburger Helper. That's all it is. So we're different in the way we were raised. We're different. But guess what brought us back together? Jesus. It's what we've got in common. That's what unifies us is Jesus. Why does Jesus unify us? Because we all recognize we need Jesus. And if we recognize Him truly as a need, then we rally around that need and it brings us together. Because need unifies people if they really recognize it. You guys remember 2005, Hurricane Katrina? You remember that? Hurricane Katrina was pretty wild. You saw people that lost huge, big, multi-million dollar homes and you saw people lose homes that weren't worth a whole lot. You saw rich people affected. You saw poor people affected. You saw black people affected, white people affected, Hispanic people affected, Asian people affected. Everyone from every race, religion, and creed was affected by that. Everyone of every socioeconomic status was affected by that. Methodists were affected by it. Lutherans were affected by it. Everybody was affected by it. Everybody was affected by the tragedy. It didn't go, hmm, let me see, I'm only going to hit the poor people. No, what did that storm do? Did it care about the person's skin color? Did it care about how much money that they made annually, gross or net? No, Hurricane Katrina did not care. Hurricane Katrina just left devastation in its path. It didn't care who it hurt, didn't care who it affected, had no regard for human life. People lost homes, people lost loved ones. It was a great tragedy. It was one of the top five worst natural disasters in our nation history that we've ever experienced. But then what happened next? What happened? There was something internally wired in people that just came out, part of our nature, something that was internally wired in people that just transcended every type of barrier that normally divides us. Every barrier that would normally divide us, everything that, that, that used to segregate us into different camps, all of a sudden now didn't matter. Why? Because there was a need. And what did people do? They rallied around the need, didn't they? You saw people, rich, poor, all different skin tones, different ethnic backgrounds, from different countries even, come together and do what? Help bring hope, help bring someone a meal, help bring someone a a restored home. There were people that had tools and skills and trades that they were good at that would move their entire business down there to help people in the New Orleans area or, or, or in the Texas area or in Mississippi, Alabama, all the other affected regions to help them build homes and get their lives back together. Nobody cared about any of that. No one was asking, well, how much money do you make a year before I build you this house? Nobody cared. It didn't matter why. Because the need was so great that it moved people's hearts to action. It unified people in a way like we have seen just a few times in our nation's history. It brought people together because people saw the need and they wanted to help. They rallied around the need. I think it's interesting because there's a great need in our country today, in our world. (laughs) There's a great need in Sheboygan County, in Manitowoc County, in everywhere surrounding here in our state, in our nation, in our world. And that need is Jesus. And we've got Him. And the world needs Him. And it brings us together. Every week we gather here 
and we talk about Jesus and we worship Jesus and we celebrate Jesus, but people still need Jesus. And you have him and I have him. We have the answer, church. And we're to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Not worrying about this, not worrying about that, all the things that would divide us, but something that would actually unify us, that would bring us together. Because that shared need brings people together. Shared need creates community. We share a need with every single person in this room. Every person on this planet, everyone that's breathing air, we all share the same need and we never stop sharing that need. And that need is Jesus. We desperately need Jesus. You see, we never stop needing Him and if we understand that, and if we remind ourselves of that need, it will change our heart to be driven to community in our church, driven to community in our fellowship, driven in community in our lives, because we recognize I am not a lone maverick. I cannot do this on my own. I don't want to do this on my own. I need other people to lift me up when I'm weary. I need other people to hold me accountable. I need other people to encourage me and strengthen me. I need other people to stand in the gap and pray for me. I need other people to help teach me and, 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 and disciple me and mentor me and help raise me up in different areas of my life that God would see fit. I want to find healing and grow in my life so my life can be a testimony for the glory of God. I want to grow and get invested and get involved because I see that it matters. Because I need Jesus and you need Jesus. And we all get on the same page with that need and realize He's the answer. And then we say, okay, God, how do we do this? How do we move forward? And He says, go into all the world and make disciples. Go into all the world and make disciples. That's what I want you to do. You see the need? Now, here you go. Make disciples. Build relationships. Invest. Invest in other people. Yeah, it might not turn out perfectly rosy and cheery every time that you get close to someone. Maybe you will get burned. I can't promise you you won't. I can't promise you that people aren't going to disappoint you. Because guess what? We're a church. We're also a family. I can't promise you people in your natural family aren't going to disappoint you either. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Amen or oh me. But at the same time, do we give up? Do we quit? No, we don't. Why? Because we know that it's worth it. Because we know that if we just keep on investing, even when we get wounded, even when the enemy would love to knock us out of the race, we realize our purpose is greater than our wounds. And we realize that Jesus wants to heal us of our wounds and that he actually carried our griefs and our sorrows. And by his stripes, we're healed because his stripes give us greater purpose and greater healing than anyone's kind words or nurturing words, but it's His words, it's His Spirit that He does a work in our heart and He continues to make us stronger as we take another step, just trusting Him. Oh, that hurt. Oh, man. Oh, that, was, oh, that wasn't a good experience. But you know what? i got to keep moving forward because my purpose is greater. Amen. And the only way I'm going to find healing is if I step out in trust and faith and expose that and give it to Him and work through that with Him leading me and guiding me. Because he wants me to find healing, he wants me to find restoration. He doesn't want me to stop. The enemy wants you to stop. The enemy wants to render churches ineffective. The enemy wants churches to be rendered without any influence at all, or maybe just very little. But I believe that God has called Word of Grace for such a time as this to be a church of influence, to be a church that has influence in this community, not making a name for ourselves, but making a name for Jesus Christ and for the gospel where people begin to bring their wounds and all their things to Christ and they can find healing, where they bring their dysfunction, where they bring their hurts, where they bring their hang-ups, where they bring their successes and their joys and their celebrations. 
where they come and do life together, where they come and connect together. That's what he wants you to do. That's what he wants me to do. And I want to pour myself into it. You see, we as a church provide opportunity for community, but community is not limited to these experiences. But the purpose of these ministries and things that we do here at Word of Grace are to invest in discipleship, to strengthen and in the influence and the effectiveness of his church for his glory. I want to just show you a few of those before we go here. One of the things is community groups. That's one of the vehicles that God has given us in order to accomplish the purpose of growing as disciples, getting involved, getting connected. I think a lot of times people are like, oh, well, I, I don't know if I have time. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do that. And I, I understand. We all get busy and things like that. But here's what I want to challenge you with today. You remember the story of Moses? Moses, who was called by God to lead the people of Israel out of Egyptian slavery. And Moses immediately begins to tell God how unqualified he is when God calls him. First thing he does, first thing you and I do too, right? When we feel God tugging on our hearts to do something, we, begin, we, immediately, we immediately begin to justify why this isn't for me. Because I go, whoa, that's a big step. I, I, I don't know. And what God told Moses, because Moses said, I can't speak real well. I got a speech impediment. I'm not a good public speaker. I'm not the guy for the job. God, you picked the wrong guy. He said, Moses, he said, what's in your hand? And Moses said, a stick. He was walking around with his walking stick. He said, throw it on the ground. Threw it on the ground. What happened? Turned into a snake. And then he had to pick it back up. Yeah, right. That took a lot of faith right there. I ain't touching no snake. I'm like Indiana Jones. I don't like snakes. But he picked up that snake and it turned back into a staff. And God said, basically is what he was telling Moses is what I think he's telling you and me today. Instead of immediately going all the things I can't do, why I can't be involved, why I can't get connected, why I can't serve, why I can't give, why I can't link arms and hearts, why I can't just completely give myself to this purpose that God has called me to. Instead, I want you to be asked the same question today that God asked Moses thousands of years ago, and that's what's in your hand? Because you see, what God did was he took something that looked very normal, very plain. It wasn't a magic stick. It was just a stick. Picked it up somewhere, maybe whittled on it a little bit. I don't know. It was just a stick he carried around. But when he threw it down, something very normal and very ordinary and very plain God used it in order to help deliver his people because God worked through Moses giving it to him. God said, no more excuses, Moses. What do you have in your hand? And as I look around here at the folks that are here at Word of Grace, and as I look at our facility, as I look at what God has given us, as I look at what God has given you and what he's invested in you, I know there's unique talents, and, and I know that there's unique gifts, and I know that there's abilities that he has placed on the inside of you, and I know there's things that God is doing in you and working through you. I know there's things that he's wanting to do, not only in your heart, but he's wanting you to be a conduit that you pour out as well. And God is asking you today, what's in your hand? Will you release it to me? Will you give me that time? Will you give me those things? Some people are like, I, I can't teach a community group. I can't lead a community group. Well, maybe you could open up your home and just facilitate one. Maybe that would be a good starting place for you. I don't know if I could make this or that a priority. Ask yourself, what's in my hand, God? What are you trying to show me? What, what's my stick that's in my hand? What's the thing that I'm holding on to that looks very plain, looks very ordinary, that you're wanting to use? Because here's what I believe as the pastor of this church. I believe that everyone who is here that God has called to be a part of this church family 
you're here for a reason. And it's not just to be a sponge that just soaks everything up, but it's also to be ringed out as well. So that means that if you're here, whatever God's done on you, I've done in you and and what he's done through you, he's wanting to use not only for your benefit, but for his kingdom. He's wanting to use for this local body. And so instead of me trying trying to create things here at the church and then go find people to be passionate about them, I want to find out who is, who is here and what is God developing in them and what is he awakening passion for in their hearts and helping them to connect with that passion, helping them to grow in those things so we can, as a church family, be effective. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16, he talks about how every joint works together. By what every joint supplies, it works together so that the body can be edified so that the body can be built, so that the body can grow in influence. That's what God wants you and me to do. So we have our weekend services. I I told you last week, man, make these things a priority this year. They're they're great times of gathering, worship, fellowship. Make the weekend service a priority. I pray that's a priority in your home. We need to instill those godly values into the next generation of gathering together with the church family being a priority. Amen? Amen. Because if we don't instill it in the next generation, that effectiveness and that influence is going to be weakened. Let's not let that be said of this local congregation, that we make it a priority to not only just tell our children that a relationship with God is important or tell them that being a part of a church family is important, but we show them. We're going to be doing some Bible studies this year. Pastor Andy's going to be doing a foundations class here in February. You're going to hear more about that soon. You'll have opportunity to be a part of that. It's just another area to get connected in. Also, prayer gatherings. We gather here every Sunday at 8.15 in the Oasis room. Pastor Andy leads prayer and uh, leads just a time of prayer where you can go and just pray for the service or whatever God leads you to pray for that day. Also, every Monday here at 8 o'clock, we have prayer. And then on Wednesday at noon, you take your lunch hour and just just pray wherever you're at. I'm going to take this hour on this lunchtime, and I'm just going to dedicate this time to pray to God. Making prayer a priority here at Word of Grace Family Night. It's our first of the month gathering that we have on a Saturday night where we come together and we worship and we pray. And then when we're done, we have a bunch of pizza and we have games and it's fun. It's a great time to just get connected, build relationships. Forge is our men's ministry. It happens once a month on that first Saturday. The next one is going to be February the 7th at 8 a.m. Men, make this thing a priority. Let's figure this thing out to where, where we can move whatever we need to move around in order to, to gather together and make this thing a priority so we can grow together. We had a great turnout, our last one that we had, and man, people were just talking about just how they were encouraged or challenged or whatever it was that God needed to do in them that day. But people are building bonds and relationships and connecting. Serving together is one of the best ways to get connected as well. Maybe you're meeting someone that you never would have met, but yet maybe you're making coffee with them in the cafe or you're serving the nursery with them or what have you. And you're just getting to know them. And you find out that they do care about you and that they want to pray for you, that they want to be connected with you, that do life together just beyond a weekend service. But it's just a great opportunity, a great foot in the door to get to meet new people. Fellowship. We have fellowships here at Word of Grace. We're going to continue to have more and more, and you'll hear about those things as they come up, just like our basketball game we're going to. Go sign up for that thing, man. You want, you want to go to a Bucks game with me. Trust me. I make it fun. I yell, and, and oh, man, I don't know. I get into it. Let's just put it that way. 
I'm very passionate about it. I have fun with it. But just things like that. Those things don't sound spiritual, do they? Some of them. Some of them you go, oh, those are spiritual things. Basketball game's not very spiritual. I think it's incredibly spiritual. You want to know why? Because people are connecting. You know, one of the most spiritual things that I ever did was work with people. I remember going on a mission trip one time. We built a retaining wall. That was one of the most spiritual things that happened on that trip was putting up a retaining wall. The services were great. Prayer times were great. But putting up that retaining wall did more for me than anything else on that trip. Why? Because putting up a retaining wall at an orphanage meant that we got to dig ditches together. We got to work together and learn about one another and sweat together. Man, you want to get to know somebody? Sweat with them a little bit. (laughs) You'll get to know who they really are. When you're tired of moving big gigantic bricks around and digging holes and ditches and having to make it just perfect and even and all, man, you get to know people. But yet you stand back and you look at the retaining wall that you built at the orphanage and how you move that project along and you go, we did this together. That creates bonds and unity and friendship. And there are people that I'm close to that I wouldn't have been close to had I not built that with them. So serving together, fellowships, uh, supporting efforts and initiatives. When we have things here at Word of Grace, that, that, you, su- that, that you support it. If, if you're where you can, make it a priority. Say, you know what? Even though I'm not really interested in this or that, I'm still going to support it. And I want to pray for my church family. I want to see that. I want to see us move forward together and glorify God together. Or if we take a new initiative, that you're there, that, that you have a presence, that you're showing your support, that you're saying, hey, we're in this together. We're in this together, and, 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 and we're, we're going to be stronger together than we ever are individually. Amen? Because we're a family, and we all have a part. We all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. And we need one another to grow deeper, sharper, stronger as individuals and as a church for God's glory. So let's grow together as disciples. Because remember, the ministry of the church is to move forward in the authority of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit to make disciples. Go into all the world and make disciples. What is in my hand? What can I do? How can I be a part? What are you calling me to, God? Let's bow our heads. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.